electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. We are awaiting Instacart's first trade after pricing at the top of the range at 30 last night. Indications now 42. Our Deirdre Bosa sat down exclusively with the company CEO for today's tech check. Hi, Dee. Carl, so Instacart prides itself as really an enabler for grocery retailers and says that competing with them would not help them in any way. But what happens when the retailers themselves decide to develop their own tech in-house or build out their own delivery networks? Walmart is the country's largest grocer, and it's doing exactly that. So I asked Fiji Simo what keeps them on the platform. Have a listen. There's two things. One is um, fundamentally we deliver incremental customers. You know, these large grocers wouldn't be on our marketplace if that wasn't the case. And they know that by being on the Instacart marketplace, they get to grow faster than the average uh, of the industry. Uh, that's incredibly important. And then the second thing is that because of the scale we have, we have better unit economics, better efficiency for delivery, and we can pass on some of those efficiencies to those, those grocers. And that's why scale matters so much in this business. And that's why you're seeing a lot of new entrants in this market lose a lot of money, like we did at the beginning. You know, it took us 100 million orders to get to positive unit economics. And so fundamentally, we are now at the scale where we have uh, managed to create really big efficiencies. Uh, and that makes us very competitive uh, to help grocers grow their business and also makes the service more affordable to customers. Um, I want to talk about advertising, Fiji, because um, that, you know, helped Instacart become profitable ahead of some of the other companies in the gig economy space. Um, when we talk about grocers, why wouldn't they want this high margin business for themselves, especially when they see how it's helped your business? Well, the good news is that we offer that to them. We built our entire ad technology stack and our ad sales force, and we are allowing grocers uh, to benefit from it by turning that on on their own and operated property. So if you look at Sprats.com, Schnacks, lots of other retailers, they are now benefiting from all the technologies that we've built, and they're able to uh, create a new profit pool overnight leveraging of technology so they get to benefit from that as well. So what she's saying here, guys, is that they're offering the smaller grocery retailers advantages, including in advertising, but more importantly, technology advantages that they may not invest in themselves. And that perhaps makes up for giving up some of that ad revenue to an Instacart. And that is key because gig economy platforms, they have not proved to be very profitable businesses in the way that advertising is. And that's really what has set apart Instacart from some of the others in this space like DoorDash and Uber that are trying to build up their businesses now in advertising. Is the growth slowdown that, that they've seen, the revenue slowdown, is that because of competition or is it just a COVID give back? What's driving it? Probably a little bit of both. I mean, they had huge growth rates during the pandemic that has come down, but it is competition because when you look at a DoorDash that's moving into grocery delivery, it's growing at a faster rate. They have restaurants, of course, as well. Um, but there's just more competition. You know that well, Sarah, right? We talk about the yeah. Walmarts and the Targets that 
are perhaps going more direct to their own customers. They're still using Instacart, yes, but the margins are going to get smaller, especially on that grocery delivery side. And as we see consolidation in the industry, Instacart used to have all of these exclusive relationships with some of the biggest grocery chains in the country, and that's changing. Uh, yeah, I imagine food inflation both at home and away from home uh, has something to do with that as well. It's certainly influenced some of the calls on, on rivals lately. As far as the lockup expiration, Dee, can you, can you walk us through some of the calendar on that? Yeah, so six months, and this is what some people say, is that really the real IPO is going to happen in six months because the float here is so small. And, you know, indications are that it's going to see a big pop on that opening. But remember as well that a trademark of some of the IPOs we're seeing in this early round is that they have these cornerstone investors to support the price and sort of build up some hype perhaps among the retail investors. So an even smaller amount is going to be available for retail investors. I think the average over the last decade has been between 16 to 29 percent. That's the average float for most companies that go public. Instacart is more around 8 percent. And then when you think about their cornerstone investors, like the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund that's taking up a big part of that, you've also got PepsiCo buying shares in this IPO, leaves very little for the retail investors. So in six months, that is when the venture capitalists are going to be able to sell their shares. And, you know, the business model model dictates that they should. They have to return money to their limited partners, although not all of them are going to do that. You could see and are likely to see a big chunk of them. And that's when you may see sort of the price really shake out and what the company is worth. Right. So as Dan and Sam pointed out, this is a profitable gig economy company, and that is an achievement that others have not yet been able to reach. It's appealing for investors. Growth, however, top-line revenue growth, it is slowing in that core grocery business, which raises another set of questions. How can you continue to grow that high-margin advertising business on a slowing base? How does that profitability look going forward? So I did ask Fiji Simo, the CEO, how she can reaccelerate. Have a listen. As for how we reaccelerate growth going forward, you know, we are going to continue to do the things that served us well to get to this point, which are having absolutely unmatched selection, having great affordability options for all kinds of customers, having the absolute best quality so that you get the order uh, to your door uh, that you need and having the best convenience. And that's what has made us market leaders. That's what, what is going to continue to uh, carry our growth. And then we have also diversified the business and invest into new growth bets, like, for example, connected stores, where we are now building technologies, not just for online grocery delivery, but also for uh, in-store, because 90% of the transactions still happen inside uh, grocery right. stores. So part of the reason growth has slowed this year is we're coming out of the pandemic, huge growth rates coming back down to earth. But there's also the issue of competition, Kelly. You have DoorDash and Uber, and then you also have the Walmarts and Targets doing their own grocery delivery. And that is going to eat away at the margins going forward, even consolidation among traditional grocers. That's going to give them more leverage, more pricing power when they come to the table and negotiate with an Instacart. So while profitability looks good right now, we'll have to see how that shapes up going forward. My cart still flash crashed this morning, Deirdre, which, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I want to have to go back and remember everything. It's cost, probably cost goes. I'm sure that JV is not, you know, the best uh, operating platform in the world. I mean, it, it's actually a good question. Kelly, you and I, we have kids, we work, <laughs> we, Instacart provides a very, very valuable service to us, but 
it's not cheap, right? We're willing to pay those fees, but I know a lot of folks that don't, and I guess that's another totally. question is affordability. They're doing certain things to serve different income customers. However, sort of at the end of the day, this is still an expensive service, and you have to wonder if that limits their total addressable market, right? Do is do, this reserved for the upper middle class? Do you do the 10% delivery tip? Yeah, I mean, you I have do too. to. I do, too. I agree. Them, right? no, get... I, it's, it's not a tip. It's part of the cost of doing business. <laughs> you can't mess around. And then you get fees on top of that. Exactly. No, it's, I agree with you. If I didn't have to do it, I certainly would rather not. Deirdre, thank you very much, uh, and thanks for bringing that interview to us. Our Deirdre Bosa. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.